Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and I'm the founder and CEO of Collab Talk. You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode was recorded at Microsoft Ignite 2019 in Orlando, Florida, and is a discussion on what it takes to become an MVP or RD with my guests, Alistair Pugin, Treb Gott, Stephanie Donahue, and Martina Grom. We're not videoing this. No video. No video. Yeah. Just, just podcast. Well, hello, welcome to the uh, Collab Talk podcast. We're here at Microsoft Ignite 2019 in Orlando, Florida. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today for this discussion. Our so, why don't we introduce yourselves, Treb, and start with you. I'm Treb Gott, and I'm a data platform MVP and head of MarqueeInsights.com. Excellent. And who me? Who are you? <laughs> I'm. How did you get in here? How did I get in here? I, I stood at the door and uh, sort of, it's a plastic door, so it breaks down quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair Pugin, uh, Azure and Office Apps and Services MVP, and I work for a dev house in Cape Town called Tangent Solutions, while in Johannesburg. I'm sort of funneling Cape Town. Yeah. Well, excellent, and we might have one or two people joining here late. They might be running late, depending on, and this is a big place. And so if you're outside of this building or at the opposite end of the expo, uh, the, the hub here, then it can be, what, like a two to three mile walk? Yeah, to well, get over I, here. I've, I've exceeded my daily step count by 181%. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even you, know that was possible. You need to increase your goals there, sir. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting topic here today, uh, and and so initially, when I so we're we're so we're talking about uh, what it takes to become an MVP or RD, a regional director, uh, so within the Microsoft program, and so I'm so I'm I'm both, and uh, oh, we have we have someone joining us here. We have Martina. Come on in. We're just getting started, so come on, join join us and introduce yourself here. That's four. Yeah, so I'm, I'll get that. Um, all right, just hang on a second, we'll have her join. I'll do the nice editing of this portion in the recording. So we have Martina, hello. Hey. And why don't you in introduce yourself very quickly. Yeah, my name is Martina Grom. I'm an Office 365 MVP located in Austria, Vienna. Excellent, and so just starting to say that we're you know, we're talking today about you know what it takes to become an MVP and an RD, and when I uh, you know, submitted the topic and first was, uh, you know, I, I reached out to some of the MVP and RD leads to, to come and participate. I got that response back, which, uh, you know, we've, we've all been in this space for, for a long time where none of us are, are newbies for this. And I got the response of, well, there's not a prescriptive, a one way to become, I was like, yeah, yeah. I got that answer back from both. I was like, yeah, yes, I know. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a dialogue. It's a podcast. So we're going to have a discussion around that. Um, and so I know we've all had that, you know, that, that question, that comment of how do you become an MVP? How do you become an RD? Let's just start broad with that, that question. How do you respond to that when people ask that question? Are you looking at me? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, could, I, I just don't want to <laughs> take over the conversation here, but... Uh, for the thing I tell people, like uh, I know Johnny Lopez is working on, you know, trying to become an MVP, is you got to have two things. One is passion. You really have to be passionate about what you're doing, and two, you really have to be able to learn and share what you you're passionate about. 
that that's really the thing you, just because you're an MVP doesn't mean you're the expert where you will never learn anything new. You're more of a servant leader where you're helping people along that path. And you gotta be passionate about the fact that you're on that path because it, it never ends. You know, this event is definitely a hallmark to that of how much more can I learn this week and my brain not explode. But I'm having a blast. This is where I wanna be. So this is the kind of stuff I tell people. You really gotta have your heart into it because it's hard. I don't know, what do you think? Martina? So my, my personal story around being an MVP is um, Microsoft asked me in the, I think 15 years ago or 20 years ago, if they should nominate me to be an MVP. And at that time back, I looked at the program and said, yeah, but I, I do not bring any value in there. I love to work with the community. I love to do everything, but it wasn't something I, I wanted to achieve. And when I got the award in 2011, it was kind of a surprise because, and then I, I felt really fortunate and lucky and so on. But after that time, I discovered what the program is and what value it brings. But I never worked for being an MVP. Mm -hmm. It's just what I do is what I like to do. And I think it's the better way because if you're passionate in something, you will probably be an MVP or not. That's an interesting comment that you made there before, you know, Alistair, before you responded to that too, is that you said that you didn't think that you had anything to bring to the program. I mean, I think one of the things to, to, for, for people to, to understand about it too is it is a, the MVP is a, it is a reward for, uh, for the, you know, for a year of service, like leading up to that. So it is, um, it, so it's, it's a recognition of what you've already accomplished uh, over, over that time. Um, it, it's not about, okay, now that you're in the system, what you're giving back, you know? So, um, it, you know, it, but, so it's just great. It, it, I think that's a great perspective and that kind of leads to what you were talking about, Trev, about the, the, you know, that servant leadership, about you know, giving back to it too. Because I do, I do think that's part of it. Um, but I think at, at the beginning, it is a reward for what you've already done in the, the year previous for the community. I, I don't know if it's so, well, it never, sometimes it doesn't feel like a reward because of the stress of that, that month before renewal. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's right. going, am I, am, did I actually do enough this year? Am I going to get in? You know, and then you get the, the email that everybody waits for. And you're like, woohoo, made it. You know, so it, it's a reward, but not, not like a, I don't know, it's, it's a little different to me. And we're just joined by, by Stephanie Donahue as well. If uh, We're sharing a headset here, but yeah. quick introduction um, as well. Yes, that's how <laughs> headphones work. Yes. It's been a long <laughs> week. Yeah. <laughs> quick introduction of yourself. Sure. Uh, Stephanie Donahue, I'm a Microsoft Regional Director and MVP, and I own a consulting business called Pay Group. And where are you based out of? I'm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Based in Cincinnati. So kind of asking the, the general question, let you answer, then Alistair, you know, jump in, of, uh, you know, so when, when you think of, like, how do you become an MVP when you're asked by people, kind of what's your, your go-to answer, your elevator pitch for that, that process, and we'll dig into the details after that. Well, I think there's so many different ways to get involved. So my general thought is like, get involved, be visible in the way that you're most comfortable. There's so many different things you can do. So whether it's blogging or speaking at you know, local, regional events, user groups, things like that, um, those are 
for me, the ways that I got involved that I was most comfortable, I know developers can go, you know, submit code to things like GitHub, um, but I, I think that uh, you kind of need to look at what your specific skill set is and what you do well, and make sure you lean into that. So don't try to be somebody you're not. Go do what you do well, and then make your content visible in a format that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, we're, we'll do the little shuffling back and forth. Apologies. While we, while we switch headphones, um, so I, I don't like the concept of saying that, how do I become an MVP? I think if you start with asking that question, that's the wrong question. Right? Because Microsoft is giving you an award, you know, saying thank you for your contributions to the community. And that shouldn't be, well, there's this little sort of tick box on the top, and if I jump through 12 hoops and I swim seven lanes down, I'm going to become an MVP. I think that the approach is wrong. For me, it's about if you're passionate, like you said, right, what I do for the community and I'm involved in the community. It's got nothing to do with the award. If you're doing it for that, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Well, that's always, I think that's a great, great point, because I think it was something that's consistent from uh, MVPs is that... Um, we would do the things that we do today whether or not we were an MVP. Yeah. And if I, if for some reason the bar gets raised and for I'm, I'm viewed by the product teams and whoever the powers that be at Microsoft that I'm not doing enough to, to remain in the program, I won't stop doing the things that I'm doing anyway. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that is very consistent. So when I hear, uh, you know, I've had a number of people, I've submitted some people's names and others that have asked me to submit where I've declined. <laughs> Right, to submit on their behalf, um, where I've just said to like, I, I, I just don't, personally, I don't have enough visibility to what you're doing to see to where I would be confident to have my name attached to the, this recommendation. Right. Look, I like the fact that it's now come back to where you have to be either nominated by an MVP or by an internal Microsoft employee in order to get into the program. Versus the self-nomination that the was self there for a thing, while. I had people on LinkedIn come up to me, how do I become an MVP? And I typically tell them, well, that's the wrong approach. You need to do this. Yeah, but I've done enough internally inside of my company. I run knowledge shares and I'm going to nominate myself. Thank you very much, Chiz. Uh, so I'm happy with where the program is positioned currently when it comes to that. Uh, there are pros and cons, um, but I, I do think that we're in a better space today than we were maybe three years ago. Hmm. Um, when it was, anyone can, well, why would you nominate yourself? That's kind of sort of. But, but, but to your point though, it, it is public contributions, not private contributions. It's things you're doing outside of your job. Because yeah. that's the other thing that they do call attention to is that you have people who are like, oh, I train you know, 15,000 people or whatever, but that's their job. Yeah. That doesn't qualify you to become yeah. an MVP. You really have to go above and beyond. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that we go, when we speak at a lot of these events like SharePoint Saturdays and SQL Saturdays and whatnot, we're paying for that. Like, we're, we're so passionate about this, we're willing to put our wallet where our heart is and go wherever we're needed. And it's a great way to get, you know, a little mini vacation too, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I like Oslo, I like Brussels and whatnot, but it's not exactly cheap to go there from the States and, you know. but. That's, that's what we're doing. We have that level of commitment. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. It, the amount of work that goes into it. We all work mm. full-time jobs, full-time plus, mm. right? And we're doing a lot of this on the side. So, you know, we're taking our personal time to make sure that we're getting things done. 
that, that contribute towards that program. And, and like Christian said, you know, we do it because we love it, which is why it's worth our time, right? But we are putting years and years of blogs and conferences and podcasts and visibility, and we're working hard. So there's probably also an expectation that should be set that you can't go do a couple of events and, and call you know, it good. think right. that yeah. you're going to be nominated. I mean, there, there's if, if you search for that person's name and, and you can't find any content, maybe they're not quite ready to be an MVP yet because there's there's a lot of work that goes into this. There's another side as, as well where I've, I've heard this comment a number of times. There's a good friend of ours out of the UK that's made the, kind of this argument, you know what I'm talking about, um, who, who, uh, you know, who's been you know, critical of some aspects, and some rightly so, and, and others where I think it's a bit misguided, but um, the fact that there's sometimes there are people where your job just lends itself to giving you those opportunities. And somehow that's like a, an unfair advantage. I, I was, when I became an MVP nine years ago, I was a the, the evangelist for an ISV. So my job was to be out and doing these things for that for the product company. But I think to the point made, when I look at it, the things that I was doing that were not in my job description were well above and beyond. I think all of us have, have presented, you know, per year, multiple, like, SharePoint Saturdays and SQL Saturdays and all these other, I was talking about the community days and down in South Africa, the multiple locations, and organizing those and putting those together. Like, none of that was in my job description. I was blessed to work for a company that recognized, hey, it's great and we, that we can afford to pay for Christians' travel to some of these locations to do it, but whether I signed up for them or not was 100% up to me. And I was the one giving up every single weekend doing those. I was the one writing, doing my job stuff, and then plus doing a blog on top of that under my own name. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like I was thinking about it going, the Porkchop blog started in, I used to be the evil Dr. Porkchop. So uh, this is the project <laughs> blog that we started in 2004. And sunset in I think it was 2011, but there was eight years of work that went into blogging, uh, staying on the TechNet forums, staying you know on, on all these areas, becoming visible, writing. Uh, I spoke at 14 events one year, and I didn't do that as an MVP, but it took years to get to the point where you got the recognition. So that's why it's like, to your point, you can't just do a couple of events this year. Oh, I'm going to do all the SQL Saturdays around me, and I'm good. No. <laughs> it, it, there's a lot more to it than that. And, and I think looking for visibility with Microsoft, too, like the way that you're presenting yourself, the way you're presenting yourself matters. Um, I, as far as who I'm willing to sponsor, maybe, you know, put forth to be an MVP, I'm also looking for how do you present challenges? Are you giving constructive criticism? Um, because I, I think we're all in this together and there's no need to go bash anyone else's approach. Um, I think we're all a community and we should be supporting each other. And so I think those things really matter that, too. That kind of goes, Martina, what you were saying about giving back to the community, that half of it, because that's a huge part of it. It's not just you know, what, what you're going and doing and talking about the technology. I mean, I personally, I'm going to get your, everybody's perspective on this, but your perspective on, on also what you're doing to help give other you know, opportunities to others and generate those opportunities. Yeah, I think that's a fundamental part of being an MVP, to be kind of a sponsor or mentor for other people to engage and to 
to do the work they, they want to do and to understand it better. It, yeah, there, and there's a, you know, a lot of opportunity there. And, it, you know, there's been an increase over, especially the last couple of years, around diversity and inclusion. And one of those is that probably the hardest part of that uh, it's one thing to go in there and say, and you're not doing enough of this. It's an entirely another thing to, to be, let's create the opportunities where it is more diverse and inclusive. Let's you know, reach out to those broader groups. Let's give more you know, different types of presentations. Because the hardest part I found with finding like new speakers, because um, we've all run this problem, is trying to be creative in like doing lightning talks and mentoring programs and reaching out into areas and in, inviting people in, encouraging and mentoring in there. That's a lot of time, it's a lot of effort and it's, it's hard to go and do versus just put a call for speakers out and say that we're inclusive and anybody can submit in here. And you know, uh, you know there's a lot more footwork to be done to get the people that you know, are, are, are not used to, they're not on the speaking circuit, you know, and and just coming and talking about something different. Look, I think also the, the concept of a community has changed over the last five to six years. Uh, we had a, there was a, a, a thread on the SharePoint Saturday Facebook channel where people were talking about we having quite large drop-offs at SharePoint Saturdays on a Saturday. I mean, we've seen it in Cape Town this year. Someone mentioned it about LA, and, and, and there, were, mm -hmm. there were talks about it in the UK as well, for Cambridge and London. Mm -hmm. And it, for us, people don't have time anymore. You know, they, they don't have physical time to show up because we get so busy. And we're seeing it at our monthly user groups as well, which is why one of the reasons we moved it to a platform like Teams, because people can dial in from wherever they are, they can consume the information later, and probably because millennials don't understand the concept of in-person events, right? Yeah. They don't. It's, nothing is in real life. If we can't Snapchat, um, we don't communicate, right? Uh, but it's, it's true. Uh, my kids consume YouTube, yeah. um, and that's how they get the information. It's, it's more than true. So yeah. I, I yeah. totally agree on that. <laughs> it's, so your best friend is your phone. Correct? Yeah. 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 And, and as much as we want the in-person, the, the the realism of having conversations with people like this. Well, the value of that network, there is definitely value in that. But as far as the, I know, look, every user group is having that same discussion um, where, like, we, I just had another podcast recording. We're talking about what's happening in locally within the user group and how you know, we're, we're having all these same issues. Uh, and so we're incorporating the live, the, the streaming, the, and the recording and make that available for the people that, so we're getting more participation in digitally than are there physically, yeah. but that we can't remove. We still need to have, like at least quarterly, have the physical, because you, otherwise you lose so much of that, the, the power of the face-to-face. -face. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Um, trying to find speakers, everyone has that same problem. How do you get a speaker? It's a little bit easier now because we can get a speaker anywhere in the world and through the use of teams still contribute to our community. But coming back to what Martina was saying about mentorship and all of that, how do you cur curate that sort of people? Because it's a, it's a people thing. Yeah. You must want. Um, you must want to share your opinions. It's a big thing. Share your knowledge, help other people grow, and we call it learning through sharing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's our motto in South Africa, the spirit of Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. So how do you get someone who is too 
shy to talk for 20 minutes about something that they're passionate about. Because we see that, right? Um, how do you get people? Because everyone goes, well, there's someone standing over there. <laughs> I, I, I could never stand up in front of 20 people and, and talk for an hour on a topic. <laughs> so, well, well, let, me, t- let me put all of you on the spot here for a second. Have you ever, like when you've gone and given a presentation, been in a session, been in an event, and you um, and, and then you've been had a, a, somebody in the audience, a very vocal. So I had this experience when we were down in it was actually in Joburg, uh, and I, I don't remember the. I've, I've actually got a, went and captured a video with this woman who was asking awesome questions and was very engaged and used very specific examples. And I talked to her afterwards, and she actually went to the Cape Town event as well and responded. And I know who, I'll show you a picture, and you're like, Alistair, you know who she is. And, and I said, you know, why are you not up presenting? Like, those are great case studies. And then she, being this vocal and just very much out front, she's just like, oh, no, 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 I, I couldn't do, do that. And, and, and I was like, that, that's the kind of person, like, have you, like, called out, you know, people that are vocal from audiences that you've, you've seen and invited them out? Is that something you're regularly thinking about? I was actually one that was called out. <laughs> so you guys all know I'm good friends with Mark Rackley. He's my business partner now. Um, he a few times submitted me for conferences without my permission. <laughs> no, because he knew. He knew I could do it. He believed in me. And he knew I would do it if I was selected. And he just knew I was chicken. He knew that I couldn't. I just didn't. I couldn't handle the rejection. And so he just did it. And, and I got accepted to a few and and I did it because I you know I knew I wanted to but I was so scared I'm not I'm not terribly extroverted I kind of prefer to be in my corner I still get nervous when I go speak um, but it's been the best thing that's happened to me as part of this community is having those opportunities and getting to know the people and it's worth it so I think if you've got a mentor or someone who is willing to pull you out we will get more people to come out and speak because they just need they need a little nudge they need a little more support on, on, on the other side, because currently we are going in a, in a direction that being an MVP also means public speaking. And it's not only that. There are a couple right. of MVPs who do not speak at events, but they provide great content yep. by contributing to the community through blog posts, through whatever they do, podcasts or, or anything else. So I think it's not only public speaking. It's also Correct. bringing value back to the community and and, and being a valuable member there. Uh, and I don't want to put him on the spot, but somebody that you know, Trevor and I know very well from the Puget Sound, so MVP for years, one of the most technically astute people in the community uh, abhors public speaking and so is mm-hmm. fine with authoring. And, and 10 years ago, the number one thing on the, the Microsoft website of like how to become an MVP was uh, participating in, in the, the online, the tech forums. Mm-hmm. And so there are some people that like spend hours per day mm-hmm. solving problems, answering questions and having that out there. So this, so this person, that's what he does, that and co-authoring books, that's it. Mm-hmm. And helps with user group and that kind of stuff. You know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but, it, but we do, like I know personally, I work with new speakers because a lot of people don't realize I had to have four years of speech therapy to relearn how to talk. So standing in front of a group of people to do public speaking is one of the scariest things ever. And I go in with the fact that, look, I had to work through this. There's a number of techniques. 
it's okay because you're the only person who knows what it's supposed to be like at the end of the day. You make a mistake, just keep going. You're fine. And we saw this with some of the new Ignite speakers. We have people who are trying out new content in the, the user group meetings. It's your place. It's a friendly crowd. They're not going to stone you or anything. But get up on the stage. At least try it. And I think that's where sometimes we'll do these panels so you can have an opinion, you can state it, but you're not under pressure to have you know, a 50-minute presentation. So I think we can definitely offer those opportunities for people to step up and, and get out there. And another thing to do is to co-present. Yeah. So find those folks and say, well, come on, well, I want to do this, this topic around this. Come on and share your use case, your case study, you know, the, your, the example, and do them part of it. And that could be a way to kind of nurture people into that. And I think finding a way to be unique is helpful too. Um, I'm blanking on her last name, but I think it's Louise who does the OneNote yeah. drawings who became MVP and kind of just got visibility that way of just contributing with the product in a very creative way. And I, that was awesome. I, you know, she does great work. She was acknowledged by Satya this week, yeah. you know, so that's awesome. it's, it's a really creative, unique way of, of participating in the community. So it's, it's pretty broad, you know, bring your specific skill set to the table. And, and that is, I think, a hallmark of the community is that we have some very creative people in all their, the various aspects, but you have to be, I think, to really offer that true contribution. Because sometimes people have these very interesting problems that they bring to the table, and it's just out of our passion, we help them, you know, figure a way out of it. But I think it, it really highlights a lot of the creativity. We see some of it's artistic, some of it's visual, some of it's written, some of it's spoken. But but at the same time, just because, and I remember before I was an MVP, when I did stuff with, uh, my first conference was uh, the Best Practice Conference in La Jolla. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and Ben came out to, to South Africa the year before and said, hey, do you, do you want to get involved? And I went down the, like, well, I have to be so unique that nobody else talks about it, right? So I did, I did COVID fundamentals for SharePoint. And it's like maybe three people that know what that is, right? <laughs> Because they brought out a COVID book, you got 34 control objectives for, for SharePoint. And I still remember it. And it was 2011, I think. As much as we, we do not limit yourself just because you think, well, I'm not unique. You know, you don't have to be unique. And, and going down that avenue, you, when you write a session abstracts, you go, ah, and you only attract two people. So don't negatively discount yourself because you think you're not unique enough or you're not special enough. Everyone's opinion, everyone's approach, we see the world differently. Even if we, even if we are a set of twins and we grow up wearing the same clothes, our viewpoints are different. Mm -hmm. And don't think that because you're one of 200 other people that you're not unique and you're not special or you don't matter. So come along contribute. I mean, if you get excited by sharing your opinions and sharing what, you, what, what you've learned, your viewpoint is important because we learn so much from that. I mean, we sat in a, in a session with, with uh, a Jabra two days ago, and, and Jason Hamelstein was talking about his tinnitus and his ears. And the fact that he bought AirPod Pros and the active noise cancelling actually helps with his tinnitus. I mean, that's so far left field. We would never have thought that something with active noise cancelling is actually going to assist someone with tinnitus. So, Mm -hmm. continuous ringing it helps with the ringing inside of his ear and that's a design thing that they probably never thought of or they never they never benched it but it added value to his life so everyone or every component or every idea adds value to someone and come along to the communities go into the blog 
onto tech community as well because that also counts and, and just get involved i think that's the big thing for mm. me get involved in your community well and that's the the we again we talked about you know that it's it's you know what you give back to that i said even if you don't become an mvp you will value you get value out of that level of participation there will be a positive return on providing that that expertise that help being there and and supporting uh, the activities in the community you'll benefit from that you personally will get that professionally it will just it will happen uh, there is a uh, uh, someone who's now an MVP and an RD, and I want to get into the RD. Well, uh, you know, Stephanie and, and Martina get your your perspectives there next. Um, but who? So he is now both of those things. He had, you know, expressed his his desire to be an MVP for I think two three years, and and right at the the end of that, before becoming MVP, he came to me and said, "Is like Christian, you know what?" I was like, I don't care. If it happens, it happens. I don't even care anymore. I've gained so much by just by, by participating. So I'm fine if it never happens for me. And within a month, month and a half, like not, I, I didn't do anything else. Like it was recognized and he became an MVP and a year later, year and a half later, an RD as well. And so very active within the program. And so the, it was the behaviors not so much like the, the, the goal, as we've all heard from multiple people, my goal is to be an MVP. Well, that's fine if really what that means is that my goal is to do more out in the community and to give back and to be present and to help other people. That's a good goal. And if the MVP, it's, it's like icing on the cake at the end there. Well, let's, I want to talk like specifically about this. So what is an RD and becoming an RD? Why don't we to the RDs in the room? Um, well, so RD is, it's not unlike MVP, but it, at the same time, it's very different. So the, the RDs have a much broader focus. I think the MVP program tends to be very specific to product set, right? We've got office servers and services. It's very specific to the product. Uh, whereas the regional directors take a, a much broader strategic focus in, in terms of the types of work we do. So the submission process is really about, you know, over the last couple of years, what, what big impact have you made? What big strategic impact have you made um, with, you know, within either Microsoft or 365 or whatever, but you're looking at it from um, from that perspective. And, and so you do tend to get a, a different group of people, I think, because you're not in the weeds every day necessarily, but you're still very much invested in the platform itself. Yeah, for, for me, the regional director program, it came uh, originally, it was a developer-focused program, and now we are 160 people which is compared to the amount of MVPs, which are around three or four thousand, I do not know the exact numbers. It's a, it, it's a very small group, and regional directors are here to to go more in an executive talk, more into strategy, and so on. So we we are also connected with leadership within Microsoft, and we we tend to understand that strategy, what Microsoft has for future developments, and, and this is the benefit out of that. It's not probably, it's also kind of a community program, but it's, it's on a very broader level, yeah. It, I think there's some confusion around the name too. I think 
that's been a discussion. Like you, you say that I'm a Microsoft regional director, and they said, "Oh, how long have you been working for Microsoft?" Yeah. Like, no, it's not. It's and I think the name. My understanding is it's, it's like, well, we're because we're all regionally based. We're spread out. If mm -hmm. you go to rd.microsoft.com, so you, you can find the listing of the 160. Um, but that we are in our regions directing Microsoft towards you know, this strategically and, and based on our experience. So yeah, there's been some talk about, you know, does that name need to change to not confuse people around that? But part of what how it was explained to me was that you know, Microsoft, because it is kind of a, a, a fast track into upper leadership in mm -hmm. Microsoft, uh, and, and so a lot of the discussions get very much down into the weeds and the detail um, of, of specific problems, but from a more holistic business, you know, perspective. And so there will be, um, you know, as, as far as the day-to-day -day of, of the RD activity, there might be, you know, somebody says, look, I'm, I've had this consistent issue with now with three or four customers, and we're seeing this, and it's a, it, there needs to be improvement. Microsoft, like, let's talk about that process. Let's talk about the licensing change. Let's talk about this, this, this business focus and where there might be a gap. And what's incredible to see in some of those discussion threads and other activities or a focus group thrown together is that you might have then a vice president at Microsoft jump in and pull two or three of their direct reports and then uh, you know, CC somebody from another team and try and get their input. And so it's discussed very openly right there. Uh, and it can be very powerful how quick, how fast that takes. I don't know if you have any specific examples of, of areas that you were directly involved in through the program because of that. Something that came up recently for us was just being able to give feedback on the Microsoft Partner Program. So, you know, and, and that's what's interesting is that the folks in the RD program come from different places. They might be uh, from a product company or a services company. or So everybody kind of brings that perspective to the table. And uh, so I specifically gave some feedback around the partner program. There's a lot of changes right now. I was really grateful for the opportunity to, to have that voice and, and to say, you know, we represent a segment and this is our opinion. And, you know, to be able to kind of engage with some folks on it, um, I think was really valuable. Yeah, I shared the, the example uh, in another recording where I, you know, I was struggling to try and get um, Microsoft corporate to pay attention to the fact that there was this very large uh, technology conference. We had over 21,000 attendees in the Salt Lake City area and that Microsoft technology, not a single partner and not Microsoft, was participating the last couple years. Like this is a huge miss for this community and it was the fact that I was an RD that got the North America director of the Microsoft for Startups, Ian Bergman, uh, who actually came out and went to the event, but invested in that event because he saw the value in that. But he told me flat out, he's like, he said, I, you know, honestly, I, I returned your email because you were an RD. Like, I understand that, okay, here's someone of, uh, you know, don't laugh, guys, of substance, who is, uh, you know, a major player. But I thought, Alistair, you were going to poke fun at me for saying that. No, the <laughs> substance is the pomade that you use in your head. You know? <laughs> Of course, of course. No, but you know, so so he took that very seriously. He said, "Look, uh, we 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 respect our our RDs, and we know that they're uh, experts in 
uh, three or four different technology areas and inside it's not just, RDs are not just experts in Microsoft technologies, but in competing technologies. So they want to have that inside outside perspective as well. Uh, and so, but he responded because of that. And so it, it has uh, opened up doors that even as an MVP, like wasn't able to, to go and open uh, because of the business focus of that. Because it was a more, it wasn't just a, hey, Microsoft throw some funds this way, you know, uh, to, to this event. It was, look, there's a business case to be made for participating in, in, in this case um, because I, I saw in this entire region of the country that uh, we were, uh, the Microsoft had no presence and we needed to change that as the tech industry in the mountain states is booming. It's the second lowest tech unemployment in the United States and Microsoft did not have a seat at the table and we needed to change that. And, but that happened because of, of the RD program. Can we just take a step back and actually, whoever's going to be listening to this, explain to them the differences between an MVP and an RD and also how, how they, what is the cycle? Yeah. Well, I can sit and listen to myself talk, but or. <laughs> uh, well, the MVP program is renewed once a year, so you do have to continue to contribute. It's not something that you you get your MVP and you can relax for a while. Um, it's definitely you know we all have to put in painfully every single contribution that we do individually. Um, and then the RD program, you actually submit, it's every two years um, that it's renewed and it's it's quite a lengthy application process. And it's not just small individual contributions, but more paragraph form on what impact have you made and you know what, what, what have you done that, that makes you kind of, I don't know, worthy is not the right word, but what, you know, how are you going to come into this program and make an impact and what are the, to your point, the competing technologies and not just the Microsoft technologies that you know. So it's, it's a pretty extensive But, but I think the primary difference, and I think we, we've talked to it and you've just kind of said the same thing, is that is the, the MVP program is a reward for contributions to the community the year prior. Mm. Um, so you've earned that, been recognized by Microsoft or given that reward for that, that year after. And so to continue being an MVP, you need to continue providing that value to the community to be rewarded. And and you see these emails and these tweets coming out every year where we say, and some people you know, uh, uh, get a little annoyed at the flood of tweets and messages coming out, how thankful we are to be, because it's, an, it's a reward, it's an award for that. Where the, R, the RD program is an advisory role. So it's not, uh, there's a reward award aspect to it, and the, the title and some benefits that come with that, but it's, it's not the same. You're not being rewarded for giving back to the community. You're recognized for your leadership and that's part of the consideration for it, but it's an advisory role to Microsoft and the community. So it's actually, you're being measured on what you're doing as you're an RD rather than rewarded for what you did the year prior. Well, it's like, an MVP, you speak at a conference. An RD doesn't necessarily have to stand up at a ship on Saturday and speak at a conference, nope. right? Nope, they do um, not at all. Also, MVP nominations are monthly, so you can get awarded monthly, right? Right. You don't have to wait for the renewal cycle. Um, it's an award and then a renewal, and uh, it's a little bit different. I mean, you could nominate someone today, and at the end of, with the beginning of December, 
they could be awarded. Although right. it's not that quick. Whereas an RD process, it's an RD, and I think it's a, it's a little bit again. Most people aren't familiar with that. But the 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 major and jump in and disagree with me into this. But the beneficiaries are Microsoft of the RDs, and that's where the regionally directing Microsoft on how to proceed down certain areas. Or Microsoft might reach out and say, you know, we want to, we're doing this internal research on this topic, and you're a subject matter expert in these areas, we'd love to have your voice and participate. So we might join in and as part of that research, or write white papers that will never be seen outside of Microsoft, they're only for internal kind of competitive or you know intelligence industry knowledge. And I think there's a common misconception that RD is the next step from MVP. Because right. we have had a couple, a handful of MVPs become an RD, but it's, it's truly not the same. It's not like a next step. It's a very different take. So, you know, for those that are looking for, for something next, like it's just because you're an MVP doesn't mean that you know, based on your goals and, and what you're working on that, you know, that you would qualify to be an RD. It's a, it's a different role and a kind of, a, again, and it, it's more strategic. So and it's and it is more business focused, which yeah. is why I think to your point, it's like uh, the majority of RDs are business owners yeah. and they're leaders and they're out there on the cutting or the bleeding edge of uh, the Microsoft technologies and, and others. Uh, they, these outside technologies where they're out building businesses and then so they're bringing that real world feedback from that leadership position back to Microsoft and saying you've got this wrong or you've got this right and here's how we view the world and so Microsoft can be better informed then of because we should all be friendlies obviously to Microsoft uh, but be better informed on how to go and create programs and how to fine-tune their programs and products. You know, the MVP program does provide opportunities to give feedback back to Microsoft. So if you are thinking NRD might be something you're interested in, giving feedback, getting involved with Microsoft in the feedback realm is probably a good place to start, right? I mean, I, I think the MVPs do have additional opportunities that others don't um, to participate in previews and, um, you know, meetings and things like that where you do have that opportunity to give some of that ground level feedback and start building some of those relationships too. And also I think the MVP is always an expert in a specific topic so like SharePoint or Exchange or Azure some specifics in there and an RD is someone who has a, a very broader experience around the whole platform and who is able to give perspective back to Microsoft leadership programs while the market reacts that way, or what we think the market reacts that way. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, we've just got a, a couple more minutes here, but you know, as far as, as guidance, I know that we've, we've kind of started by talking about like uh, the, the people that are more successful in the program, it's like they're not, it's not like a goal to become an MVP. It's the to do the right things regardless of the recognition of the status, um, you know. But uh, for those that uh, you know are in the community, kind of, what's your general guidance of that, that you kind of to give those people that are thinking, hey, is this something that I want to participate in? And it's like like Stephanie, if 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 Mark had not submitted without your permission. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, so what? What are some of the things that to, other recommendations for for people that are interested in in the program? Be yourself and be brave. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You can't fake it. 
you know, put your heart into it. Be brave. It's a friendly crowd. Uh, put yourself out there, and you'll be amazed at the, the reaction. And just keep doing it. And eventually, you may be rewarded. You may not be. But if you are, it just gets much better from there. Get involved. Same yeah. thing, right? It's, it's like just get in, do what you love, and, and share what you know. And, and really the rest kind of follows. So in, engage in the way that you're comfortable and, and promote the products and, and the technologies and the people. Um, we're big people supporters too. We get out there and we help promote each other. And, and I think the community is really what keeps us all moving forward. Find your passion. I tell my kids, I've got two older boys that are finishing um, college education. And I said to them, don't be, don't be hard-pressed to leave and become independent. Go find your passion and go do that because then it's, it's not work, right? Writing a blog post is not, oh, shit, I just finished my normal day job and now I have to go find a topic to, go. to write about yeah. for the next two hours and oh, it takes so much of my time. I mean, we do it because we're passionate about it and it's part of who we are. And I think that is the, the difference between I want to be an MVP, give me 50 things to do so I can become an MVP, versus I just enjoy getting involved and, and sharing my thoughts and opinions and, and knowledge about a specific topic that I am passionate about. And then becoming an MVP is a byproduct of your passion. It's not, oh shit, I'm an MVP and now I need to keep that status. Right? And that's where we see people drop off because they'll go and I become an MVP, I've done 50 things for the year and then the next year they disappear, right? Because they have to do it again and right? Man, this is actually work. When it's, <laughs> when it's not work, we enjoy doing what we do. So go find a community or start your own community. Ask people to help and, and just go do stuff that you're passionate about and things will happen. Yeah, also share your knowledge. This is also something which is really important that you share your knowledge and educate others, give back what you what you have and and what you can share because knowledge grows among the community and among others and everyone can benefit from that you know one thing that i so i've had multiple conversations even this week um, there are people within my local community so that i'm i'm getting ready to submit somebody else's name for it and 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 uh, so i'm i'm looking for opportunities to mentor and so I think this is something we talk a lot about in the MVP and in the RD communities about looking for people to go and mentor around that. So they, whether or not they have it in their mind to become an MVP uh, or, or an RD or not, but do, that we should be thinking about that. And, uh, and, and part of that mentoring is providing this guidance on, you know, have you thought about, you know, it, blogging more about this or creating a session or doing a webcast, a quick video, a live stream on something on Facebook or YouTube or wherever those communities exist, but share those experiences or volunteering, getting involved. I mean, I, I think of this as if you're, if you are thinking like, Hey, I'd love to become one of these things. Like the first thing that you can do is reach out to the local user groups, get involved. We need help. We need, we need to see who that next generation is of, because it's usually user groups are, are run by two, three, four same people year after year after year. Not surprising that those people are the first to become MVPs and stuff that are doing that. 
And so if that's something that you aspire to go and do, and let's all be honest, it does help your career having that as well. But do those tactical, on-the-ground, local community things. Help out, get involved. You might find out that, hey, it's not for you. you know, Or you might make connections and, again, make and benefit from it well before earning a status as an MVP. I was going to say, uh, tactically, pick a couple of channels. Like Daryl is a service now. Twitter and video, that's his too. That's what he does. I blog because I, I don't sleep well, so I write at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, that's just the way it works out. But you, you got to pick where you can focus your efforts because if you try to be everywhere, you will be nowhere. And it'll just be diffuse and nobody will ever notice you. So, Excellent. Well, thanks, everybody, for participating. And I know I should have read this at the beginning, but again, you know, thanks for listening to the podcast. This is recorded Microsoft Ignite. Microsoft is giving away some Microsoft Surface earbuds to our mm. listeners. So you can enter that by going to aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes. Uh, and do that before December 15th, and you could win one of those. I, I don't know if the podcasters or participants can win. I'm assuming we're eligible, but... Um, you'd think they'd just give them to us. Hey, I'm an MVP. Come on. Give me the... <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I, I would take one of those nice Surface laptops if they, you know, have a few extra they want to give away. Everybody see the, 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 the guy, the honest MVP running around here? Uh, and he has those stickers. Was that him? There was some noise at the back when Satya was coming on. And there was an MVP that said, because they wouldn't allow them in through the back. And there was an MVP apprentice that said, don't you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> True story. Like, what? And it happened uh, like a Monday. They weren't allowing them through the back. That is, was gonna move around. that is awesome. I could say more about that, some interesting stories from like the MVP summits and stuff. But oh, we didn't even mention that. Wait, to wrap up, that's an awesome benefit is going once a year to Microsoft campus to the MVP summit. You have to pay for your own travel. Yes, you do. Like everything else, it's yes. a community, but yeah. it is, it's fantastic. But that's the other thing. Event. When you become an MVP on an RD, Microsoft doesn't fly you anywhere. No. All right. But You're still doing it? There but is no money. No, there's no money. <laughs> Direct money in becoming an MVP. Unless we're out of the loop, the five of us. Yeah. 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 So. Microsoft doesn't pay you to become an MVP. Obviously, a byproduct of that is status. You've seen as a thought leader. And if you submit cool sessions, they might fly you to a conference, not Microsoft. Well, well, yes and no. But, yeah, there's no direct, tangible money right. in becoming an MVP. And they don't fly you to Seattle. Let's get that right. I am glad it's a local event for me, I have to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for, uh, for joining. Enjoy the rest of your, uh, your conference. And thanks for listening to the uh, Collab Talk podcast. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. <laughs>